my favorite voice on this stuff, Dr. Lisa Young, who is a professor of political science at the University of Calgary. Dr. Young, thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure to chat. Happy to be here. Yeah, we've got so, I mean, the issues are, are so parallel when you take a look at what's happening federally and provincially, but uh, let, let's just start briefly with the federal discussion. And we had Dr. Leslin Lewis on just a couple of minutes ago, and she's, you know, she's talking about wokeism and, and cancel culture and uh, all, all these sorts of things. And I know that it plays well, right? And you can see it being translated down at the provincial level, but how I'm trying to wrap my head around how big of a section of the conservative voting base do you think goes for that, goes for sovereignty acts, goes for wokeism and cancel culture and fighting back? I mean, how much is that where we're going to end up with the conservatives federally and provincially when all is said and done here? You know, I think what we're seeing in both the federal race and the provincial one is that people who are party members, people who are engaged enough to go out and spend the $10 or the $15 to buy a party membership and then to show up and vote, tend to be a little more ideologically extreme than people who might vote for the party. And that's not just true of the conservatives. It's true on the left as well. Um, You know, the more engaged you are, the the clearer in some ways your your ideas are, and that pushes you out to the margins. But what we see with the Conservatives, you know, both federally and provincially, is a really interesting situation where the kinds of things that leadership candidates need to say to appeal to those party members aren't necessarily things that will appeal to the party's voting base as a whole. And so you can see the dilemmas coming once an election is called. I'm taking a look at the UCP race, and we had the leadership debate last night, and it went largely the way that I anticipated it would. It seems to me that Daniel Smith is firmly in control and driving the bus at this point. Whether she's front-runner or there's things happening behind the scenes, we don't know. But in terms of the narrative, what people are talking about and who's setting the agenda, she has absolutely dominated this campaign right from the start. Absolutely. And I think that the other candidates kind of fell into her trap in some ways and spent much of the debate responding to her agenda and, you know, really trying to you know, point out to party members that if Daniel Smith is elected party leader, she's not going to be electable, that her, you know, she she doesn't necessarily use good judgment when she says things, that her sovereignty act is, uh, you know, dangerous and, and uh, you know, outside rule of law. And so they spent a lot of time and 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 attention on her, but it really did make it look like it was the Danielle Smith show with everybody else responding to her. You, you mentioned the whole Sovereignty Act, and it's interesting to me because, I mean, it's been around, I'm going to say probably a month now when, when, since she first raised it, roughly. Um, and from the moment she brought it up, her opponents have said, I mean, Brian Jean last night called it a fiscal fairy tale. Um, we've had no end of lawyers and constitutional scholars coming up and saying, this is crazy. It's not possible. It's not going to work. It's not going to happen. Um, you know, you've got Jason Nixon and Travis Tafe saying this wouldn't even get through the legislature. We've known this for weeks. I mean, they're still saying the same thing about this. Clearly, that doesn't matter to the people that are supporting Daniel Smith. You can tell them all day long that this is fantasy. That, that, that's not the point. What are they missing? What's the, what's the argument? I mean, you, they, you, you've told them that it's not going to work. doesn't matter. She's locking up more support. What's the disconnect there? 
Well, I think there's a couple of things going on here. First of all, you know, for people who've got really strong feelings about the place of Alberta in, in Confederation, they don't much care uh, yeah. about, you know, hearing that, you know, it, it will cause instability and businesses will leave. They don't care that it's outside rule of law. They're willing to believe the things that Daniel Smith says about it, and, and they're willing to follow her on that. And the other thing I was really struck by last night, listening to, to Danielle Smith talk, is that she is such a powerful communicator, and she presents her arguments with such incredible confidence, and she says things that are simply factually incorrect, that are, are gross misinterpretations of the Constitution, but she says them with such assurance that I think people who are inclined to believe her We'll, we'll follow along. It, it, it reminds me in some ways of Donald Trump uh, in that respect. You know, he believed some of the really outrageous things that he says, and, and so his followers are willing to believe along with him. And I think you're right. I think a lot of it is, and there's there's frustration, and I think there's there's good reason for a lot of the frustration that people feel. But I know sitting here and hearing from people um, that uh, listen to this show and send me texts and give me calls, um, if personally, like yesterday, I could not, I, I pushed back pretty hard on Marco Mendocino in an interview, and I was the savior. Everybody loved me. Absolutely loved me. I pushed back on Leslin Lewis a little bit this morning. Everybody hates me again. It, 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 it doesn't really, it, it's, it's, it seems to me that a lot of it is built totally around emotion and anger, and if you go after Justin Trudeau the way that Pierre Polyev has, or the way that Daniel Smith has, that's really all that matters. They just, they want to fight back. They want somebody that will represent them because they're angry and they want to fight back. Absolutely. And, you know, it was interesting last night listening. Um, there, there were voices that were saying, look, I, I talked to, you know, voters and, and they're tired of, of the anger. They, they don't want to hear us, you know, being angry. They want us to get solutions. And it just didn't seem to land with the audience or, or even in, in the context of the debate. And I think that, you know, that goes back to the dilemma for the party that, you know, are Albertans fond of, of uh, Justin Trudeau? No. Are they as angry as the typical UCP member? No. And and so that's the dilemma that the party faces once it gets to an election. So if you're... Uh, Travis Taves, Rebecca Schultz, Brian Jean, the list goes on, and you're trying to find a foothold, trying to make some headway, to build some momentum. What would the strategy be that you would recommend? You know, it's an interesting question. And on the one hand, I think that they've allowed Smith to appear like she's in control of, of the debate. On the other hand, if we think about why they would have done that, I think part of what might be going on here is some strategy about second preferences. And so you could read what happened last night as a lot of these candidates trying to convince their supporters not to give a second preference to Daniel Smith. And the logic of this would be that if Smith can't win on the first ballot, then what all of the other candidates have to do is to starve her of second preferences. And so much as it didn't make for a very satisfying debate for people who might be looking for who they're going to vote for, there might have been some strategy to this to try to make sure that 
Smith can't collect second preferences and and find a path to victory that way. Um, it's such a long campaign. I mean, you think about it, it seems like we've been through a campaign already and we still have two months to go. Uh, who does that benefit, Danielle Smith or the people that are trying to catch her, do you think? Well, you know, we're, we're coming up on the deadline for uh, selling memberships. And it, in, I think it's the 12th of August uh, yep. that that happens. And at that point, it's a question of, maybe convincing some undecided voters, uh, you know, to, to come and support you, but more than that, making sure that you get out the vote. And so then the question is, you know, how can you motivate your supporters to go out and vote? And I think that the length of this might just be really helpful to Smith's supporters because they are true believers in some ways. They're fueled by anger at the party, at the system. And so it's going to be easy to motivate them to vote. I I think that the other candidates, you know, with a long period of time in between, uh, are going to have to you know be working really hard to try to find ways to motivate their supporters to to actually fill in that ballot it's going to be very interesting to watch and we're glad you're here to help guide us through it dr young appreciate your time